Yo, 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 what's up, baby? Welcome to another episode of Selena's Underground Podcast. Your look at Selena's news, events, more music. All of a sudden, we're, we're now the Monterey County Music Podcast. And uh, yeah, we got another guest in the studio today. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, he goes by G. You're going to have to tell me, how do you pronounce? El Calpa. Okay, it is. That's my artist name, my alter ego, my... My persona in, on stage. Okay. I, the beast that takes over is El Calpa. I was going to ask that, but I was like, no, I want to ask on the mic for the first time. <laughs> I didn't want to try to recreate it like a reality show. Because um, also, because I see the two L's, you know, and it's like a A, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so sometimes. I'm, I'm like, see, El Calpa? El Calpa. Which is good El word. Calpa. But I thought it, it seemed more like El Calpa. And we'll <laughs> it, talk about all of the words. It all depends, too. I'm bastardizing. It's Quechua, and that Quechua is the language of the Incas in Peru, and that's where I'm from. And the name comes from people saying that I, I was playing some reggae, but it wasn't mellow reggae. It was a little aggressive. So it was like, it's like, you know, reggae with force, reggae with a punch. And so I was I need to label myself with something. And that's how the name came about. Like, Calpa means either force or strength. So oh, okay. So I'm the, the strength, the energy. That's, that's how people describe me on stage. They never describe me as the beautiful voice. <laughs> that's others. <laughs> Yeah, so you again, you for people that don't know, obviously you are a musician, mm -hmm. and um, Century Tribe is the is that Century the only is, band? No, I, I I do El Calpa. I have my solo stuff as well. Okay, uh, Century Tribe is the big band that I have, and I've had a number of projects in the peninsula, and right now I have another duo that is Barkings. Barkings is another thing. Uh -huh. And again, we'll definitely get into all that, what all yeah, that yeah, is. Of course. But I'm curious because, again, I, I love history. We were talking about right before we hit record, you know, that I like yep. history and stuff. So I'm curious, your story, you said you're Peruvian, and we're here sitting in downtown Salinas. So that's a long way from long Lima way, so or anywhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's the only town I would know. <laughs> that's where I'm from. You, you're good. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. That, um, What was, what's the the... The ruins, the famous ruins. Machu Picchu, Machu Cusco, Picchu. Cusco, yeah. Oh, yeah, Machu Cusco, Picchu. right? Yeah, yeah the ruins, yeah. Um, is that close to Lima? No, not at all. So people are like, oh, you're coming directly from the mountain, you know, Machu Picchu. I'm like, no, Lima is in one place, Cusco, and you need to take a flight or a very, very long drive to get there. It seems like, yeah, east-west would probably be pretty short trips, but north-south might get a little <laughs> tricky, dude. Yeah, even east-west is because we have the Andes. So Peru is oh. like flat, then the Andes, and then on the other side you have a little bit of a jungle uh, on Brazil. So crossing the Andes is a bitch. It's a problem. Can I curse? On this? Yeah, hell yeah. Guess, okay. Um, <laughs> do people from one side of the Andes look down at the people from the other side of the Andes? <laughs> like, that's the bad side, bro. That's the whack right. side. They don't even get rain on that side. Right. It's like, they don't, you want to point to Lima to the capital, right? The people behind the, the jungle is like, no, those guys are crazy. <laughs> but the all right. Side, yeah. So you're from Lima. Yep. Um, born and raised? You, you Born and raised, yeah. Um, I lived in, I, I divided into three different special particular places in Lima. Uh, one is when I was a kid, my parents had a little bit of money, so I was in kind of like a nice neighborhood, Miraflores, San Isidro area. Then they started running out of money. We moved to a Pueblo Libre, which is where I like... No hay flores. Había poquita flores. Pueblo Libre. No, that's when I learned about your neighborhood, your friends. I learned how to play soccer. I learned how to, you know, be out of the house, have, you know, more, more street 
not cred, but, you know, experiences. And then after that, we moved to uh, the countryside, basically. Santa Clara, that's the third place. And I lived in there until I was 17, and it's divided into, like, 0 to 8, 8 to 12, 12 to 17, and then I left Peru. But I feel like I got all the experiences. I had a little bit of money when I was a kid. I had all the toys, all the shit. And then in the middle, I had to learn to be a little tough, uh, learn how to play soccer really good to fit in. Yeah. Uh, and then when I went to Santa Clara, um, that even made me tougher because I was away from the city. It was smaller town, um, very very rural, very different. Our, our house, you never locked your house. It was like, a, you know, up in, up in the boonies. <laughs> and was it at high elevation? No, not really, because it's all within Lima. Oh, so it was, okay. You know, uh, in Miraflores, you're like right by the beach, maybe 10 minutes. Pueblo Libre is like 40 minutes, and then you go... A little in, but it's just central. And Santa Clara is just have a little bit more sunshine, but you're closer to the mountains, but you're not up in the mountains yet. You're still in Lima. I was an hour away from Lima, so not not too crazy. And again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sound ignorant right now, but I'm curious. If you're in Lima, can you see the Andes? No. Okay. No, no, no. It's not that close. No, you see you see other I mean, depending on yeah, no not from Lima. No. There's other uh different cordilleras that are smaller than the Andes, you know. Yeah. So the Andes you can see for certain spots, maybe certain spots in the on our coast, but not not too close because there's a lot of chains of mountains. Yeah. You can't see the Andes really, yeah. Okay. Okay, so why I mean I don't it's because I don't know again if, I don't know how people that when they listen, if they think we're best friends or something to the <laughs> to a lot of my guests, I don't know. And, right. and uh, another a good significant amount of them, I meet them minutes before we hit record. Right. So again, excuse me if if, I, if I'm out of line or, or if no, I say so something good, too brother. too sensitive. Or, or, but w- w- why did you end up leaving Lima? Well, my dad is an artist, and he's been struggling all his life trying to fit in. Uh, his dad was a policeman. And he wanted him to get a a, a real job. <laughs> yeah. And whenever my dad was drawing, when he was like seven, my grandpa will always pat him in the back and say, that's my architect. You're going to be an architect. Because he wanted to give it a title of something that made money. He'd never say, oh, you're going to be a painter. No, no, no. You're drawing. You're an architect. Because that matters. Yeah. So my dad did like all the way up until he was, he was born in the 50s, 60s. He's a super hippie dude. With the ganja, with the arts, with a very uh, creative person. So he always was the opposite of his dad. But he he was under his roof until he was like 18, 19. And then he just couldn't fit in in a regular office job. It was against his wild side. Yeah. And and that's, he, he was struggling a lot with money. Like he'll have some friends to find him a job. And then he just fucking hated it. <laughs> and, and also the type of art that he was doing, he was painting nudes oil oil painting so my mom always struggled with that too <laughs> and there was, yeah, I was no- like why are there always hot chicks with big boobs <laughs> huh you can't paint a naked old dude one time <laughs> not only that like, but nah. then, then my mom will be like because my mom is a business one so you can't sell this like i can't sell this to my friends they're gonna get jealous of the painting you know there's like you're you're, you're leaving this so so they always try to like put him in a place like try to paint a landscape and he was like you know, it didn't, it didn't call. Just two hills. <laughs> He's like, He's I don't know why I just bro. drawn to these two perfectly round hills for some reason. But that was the main thing is like, 
uh, for a while, for since I can remember, five or six years, maybe since I was ten, they were like, "We're gonna try to go to the states." We had some family here. Um, my 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 dad's sister and brother, two sisters and a brother, lived in Miami, and they always say, "Hey, when you know, you can come chase the American dream, chase the American dream." And they finally, like, we went, got the visa, with some trickery saying that my dad was a big artist and he was going to do an exhibition around the world and at the first stop was my <laughs> to get the visa and somehow my mom was convinced they gave my dad the visa first and then we asked for the visa and that's it we came over as tourists and they just held on my friend in florida <laughs> miami yeah so of course you were like we got to get as far away as possible <laughs> They're on to us, bro. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Mainly, I I got out of Miami because it's too hot. I, I never got used to the weather, um, mainly for me personally. My brother still lives there, and my dad is there, and then my sister, she's in New Hampshire, but she's going to school. But I never liked Miami. It's amazing to meet all of South America and all of Latin cultures, a, a little bit of the American culture, maybe, but mostly that like, I hang out with, or I learn about every other country that speaks Spanish more than Americans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Miami. Hanging out in fucking Calle Ocho and shit or what? That's all I know about Miami yeah. and, and cocaine in the 80s. And, <laughs> and the yeah, yeah that's, it's, it's all of that and, and more. You know, when, when my wave of migration came in the 2000s, it was a lot of Colombians and Venezuelans. And Peruvians seem to click very well with Colombians uh, as far as culture-wise and same interest. So a lot of my friends were Colombian, but dated a couple of Argentinian girls and some Cubans. And, uh, so rich. Like, I was, I knew a little bit when I was in Peru, but I didn't know how deep other cultures went into their own thing. And I thought, like, you know, there's Mexicans here, Argentinians, and that's about it. I didn't even know about any other accents or anything. And yeah. then I, when I went to Miami, I was like, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> Dude, that's why I, it, the whole like Latino, Hispanic, whatever thing kind of bugs me. Cause again, like technically we're both Latinos. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm going to be honest and it's going to sound ignorant, but I know very little about Peru, that's man. True. It's true. Right? I'm like, do you guys eat salsa? Like, like, cause I, I barely learned that too. I didn't even think about that, that it's like really Mexicans that eat spicy food with salsa. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I just thought we all did. We, we have a ji. We have Thanks a for the potatoes. Yeah, you know? there you go. Well, <laughs> Alpacas are cool. You, you acknowledge it. <laughs> You know, because there are some people that think the potatoes are from Ireland. That is wrong. Yeah, that dude, oh, you see an English breakfast all the time and it's got beans. And, stuff, and I'm like, dude, pineapples, all yeah, this stuff. All and, shit. Uh, I know I know from Peru we have tomatoes are like, you know, South America, Peru area, tomatoes, peanuts and potatoes. Peanuts? Peanuts, bro. That's crazy. And I know for sure. What? Elote and chicles from Mexico. This is I took a, an economics botany class and I learned oh, about the, the history of where food comes from. And I was like, tomatoes from Peru. All right, cool. Because and then I when I try to share my knowledge, you get Italian guys pissed off, bro. They're like, tomatoes are from Italy. I'm like, you you got. <laughs> they turned you them red, know. right? They turned them red. They were like green and purple or something. They uh, they, they were related to a plant that was poisonous. So for for years, it was an ornamental plant in Europe. <laughs> until somebody said, oh, let's try. <laughs> Some Mexican dudes like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Give me that. Give me an onion. Yeah, I'm about go. to blow your freaking European mind. No, and so th that's interesting that you mentioned that because, again, for me, when someone's like, 
oh, you're Latino, you know, all or, the, or they all, all or, the same. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or Hispanic. Hispanic is basically a slur to me. I'm like, <laughs> but like, oh, Hispanic Heritage Night, and I was like, dude. You're lumping all of us in. And, like, number one, Mexicans are crazy compared to everybody. <laughs> like, a bunch of them hate us, bro. Just like, and like, but also, somebody says, oh, this, look, this, look what this Colombian did. Or, like, you're, you're Latino, you know, you know, what's the, what's the best Colombian food or something? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Oh, no, dude, it's so. I've much. never even been to Mexico City, dog. Like, and then there is, like, within a country, there is separation, too. You know? Oh, There's hell yeah. Separation of accents and foods, like, regional foods that even goes more in that <laughs> it's it's crazy yeah so that's where it bought because again why don't they don't do that for europe like <laughs> you you have french people with french culture and french cuisine and same with german and italian and like everybody's their own thing you don't just say oh you're european but they say no i'm french <laughs> like no you're european bro you're <laughs> european american yeah. You're Hispanic. You're you're Hispanic. I don't know. I don't know. It trips me out. So anyway, it, it's it was interesting to hear that. Yeah, that like, look, dude, we are so diverse. It's a whole so damn diverse. two continents worth of people. Um. So anyway, so you're in Florida. Getting back to your Miami, story here. Miami. Yep. You're you're in Miami. You're out there hanging with Pitbull and and Al Pacino. And <laughs> well, like, he was still washing dishes. He yeah. wasn't famous yet when I arrived. <laughs> Tony Montana or Pitbull no, was also Pitbull, a dishwasher. Pitbull was a dishwasher. Yeah. He he Scarface. Yeah. He did the whole Scarface <laughs> and he quit. Um. So yeah. So you're, you're you're in Miami. It's hot as hell. It's humid as balls. And. So you d you want to move out, and where do you go from there? Well, um, I start. My first thing was I need to somehow get papers. Like this is not gonna work out for me. Oh, because at this point, yeah, you were. I was still an an illegal immigrant. Criminal, so I was bro. Like, criminal I to, activity. I need to do something, and and then because I had just finished high school in Peru, I was seventeen. I wasn't allowed to go to high school here, so I was in the limbo. I couldn't go to a university. I couldn't go to high school. I was just like, okay, your your destiny is to wash dishes you know, under the table in a, in, you know, in a restaurant. And I was like, I, I, I want something more than, than that. Yeah. So I started asking what's the best solution. And then there was this all these kinds of visas. If your aunt does a petition, it takes 15 years. Or if this, ah. or, if this or that or that. And then they say, oh, you can get married. And I was like, all right. That's it. That was my next. I got to marry a white girl. Though? My my next target. Um, I, I married a Cuban American, but but we talked about it. So it wasn't a love thing. I I wasn't lying to anybody. So I was like, you know what? She needed to move out of the house, but she couldn't afford an apartment. I was like, I'm working really hard, and I need a wife. <laughs> so we just made it like a business. So you guys are Mexican. <laughs> Never mind, bro. <laughs> All Latinos are the same. I take that All back. All right, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was my first thing fix this thing and as soon as i i got some kind of papers i did a lot of things i i had a band in spanish i played a lot of soccer went to a local college paying out of my pocket as an international student to learn english because i was like i need to you know, I need to get something. Dude, I didn't even think about that at this yeah, point. No, well, yeah, no when English, you showed no up nothing, from bro. Peru, no English? <laughs> Nada. Yeah, damn. Well, I, I had good grades in Peru, but they were nothing to, for the English that was here, yeah. But mostly getting comfortable playing soccer with all Latinos, always dating uh, Latino girls, like I said, from Argentina, Colombia. Um, you get a, a really cool taste, and then you hang out with Peruvians. My best friends were the Peruvians. You, you, you tend to go to the people you know. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, then I, I fixed my economic status and then I joined my economic, my immigration status and I, I joined the military. Oh, hell so yeah. I was in the Coast Guard for four years. Good. And that was like, okay, this country accepted me. I kind of played the system to get my papers and now I want to like kind of give back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was going to help me to become a citizen and to help my parents to, to I gave my parents uh, their citizenship. So I was I need to do something about all of this. So I joined the military uh, for four years, climbed pretty high. I was an E5 before I left. I don't know if you know anything about the military, but. Yeah, um, but it starts at one, right? Yeah, yeah. In four years, so they offered me to stay more, but they wanted to leave me in Texas. I was stationed in Texas, and in order to get out of Texas, I had to, like, end my contract. I didn't want to renew. And I had other plans, and throughout the military, I was going to school, too. So I got my AA while I was in the military. So when I got out, I went back to school to finish my, my bachelor's degree. But, yeah, from Miami, I joined the military, went to Oregon for a year, then one year between schools because you need to go to these three months, four months schools, and then I was stationed in Brownsville, Texas. Oh, very, shit. very, very close to Mexico too. And I was an immersion in in Mexican culture, basically. Yeah, if you're a, a local drinker and you hang out at the Alvarado Street Tap Room, we've probably met Pops, <laughs> and Pops is from Brownsville, Texas. Oh, right. On. A lot of good music there. A lot of good music has yeah, come yeah, out yeah. of that that area. Yeah, for sure. There's a, a really well mixed. It was. Crazy. I remember I was married to a different person back then, but she would cross the bridge from Brownsville to Matamoros to get her nails done because Damn. it was so much cheaper. And it was a normal thing. You just go across the bridge to eat dinner and, and shit like that. It was. And was this, I don't know, because I don't know, was this after 9 11? Yeah. Before? Okay. After, yeah. After, after. Because, yeah, because before you, you could just walk across and. Yeah, I don't know. It was not a big. I don't know if it still was, but yeah, nowadays, like even going to Tijuana is all, all these things. You know, yeah, you, yeah. if you don't have a, the Sentry Pass, <laughs> you're screwed. Um, all right, dude. Well, then, how did you? And this whole time, you're bouncing around and in the military. You're still doing music. Yeah, um, not as as diligently as now, but before I left Peru, I had the bug. I had bought a guitar. Uh, then I had to sell it. I wasn't a great guitar player, but I was really into writing, uh, poetry, short stories, okay. and something that I call incoherences. It was just like a storm brain session, but then within it, some things rhymed. I, I don't know what to call it because up until now, I couldn't, I haven't been able to label it. But I was writing these things, my thoughts, and I was, I always liked it in high school to present it to people. Um, I like to share what I was writing, even if people like it or didn't. Just see that reaction, that kind of, of, of fed my ego, my, my curiousness, something. Presenting, I did this, what do you think? I wasn't, I was never shy about that. So when I got to Miami, I couldn't fit in anywhere, but I was like dressing out of place. I was dressing like a Peruvian hippie guy. So one guy once asked me, hey, hey, do you like rock and espanol? And it looks like, you know, you like this kind of music. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's how I met my first band in Miami was through my looks, <laughs> not through my singing. And I became the lead singer for that band just because I knew all the songs that they were covering as a cover band. Oh, right. They were, they were covering. It was all Enanitos Verdes and all just this classic Spanish from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like three, Hombres G and all of these bands. Yeah. Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> of course. The, 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 dude, that's such great music. So you you leave the military, 
How did you end up here? I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Okay, it's that's why I'm, I'm like, I never. Now get we're in Monterey County. I, I never get enough time for the whole story. Okay, it's so awesome. I, yeah. I get out of the military in 2005. No, 2009. I joined in 2005, and then I went back to Miami because I really wanted one another thing I had on on a goal. Like when I first arrived in Miami, I saw the University of Miami and how beautiful it was. That was like one day I want to go here. So yeah. that was like my target. Now that I think about it financially, maybe it wasn't the best decision. Because <laughs> it is kind of a like a USC, university. right? It's like a USC type thing, it's, right? Yeah. It's expensive. It's expensive. I, I had some money from the military to pay for it, and I got a couple of scholarships. So I was able to attend, but I was a little out of place. I was a little older, and I was not in the economic status that the kids that I was going to school yeah. with, you know? And I was it was different. I was a little older. I was married. So it wasn't even like, a, oh, I'm going to meet all these people. Is this the third networking. wife now? This was the second wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm on my third one. Yeah. Are you dead? You're like Ross, dude. You're like Ross from Friends over here. Hey, sometimes it takes a while to find the one. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so, so did you end up going to the yo, so you I, did, to you. I did went back applied for University of Miami got in finished my degree in marine science and biology oh hell yeah and, and on my last year I started I always was like I don't like Miami I want to move either California if I don't like California I'm going to Hawaii if I don't like Hawaii I'm going back to Peru that was like my long term brain idea but uh on the yeah, on my last year of school, I start. Uh, we had to research a researcher, like instead of writing a paper about an animal, you had to write a paper about a person who studied an animal that you were interested in. Because I was in marine science, so um, I landed on this Doctor Estes. Uh, he was up in uh, Santa Cruz. He was studying sea otters. I didn't even know what a sea otter was, yeah. to be honest. I was like, oh, a weasel? Was it a sea lion? What is the difference? Like, I didn't know. Start doing my research, and I was like, man, I really like, like, it inspired me a lot. I reach out, he replied to my email, and I was like, man, this is what I want to do. So um, right after I finish uh, my degree in UM, I was like, I'm going to go and check, get all my money, and we're going to move to California. Whatever happens, happens. And if everything fails, we go back to Miami, <laughs> to my family, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and we did that in 2012. With spouse number two, now we're no longer together, but I stay here. But you <laughs> but stuck I, around. Yeah, I moved. I moved for for the otters, for the sea otters, to study sea otters. That was my main drive. And then I always wanted to. I always wanted to be a dad. Now I have two kids. I always wanted to have kids, and uh, I always liked the idea of a little town. When I was in Miami, I had to like drive forty minutes to school, drive this far for this thing, a lot of traffic and all that shit. Every person I tell, I'm moving to California, they're like. Oh, the six-lane highway. I'm like, no, no, little towns. I remember uh, when I was in boot camp in the Coast Guard, there were a few guys from California, and I made them make me a list of little towns in California. And on that list, there was Monterey, there was Morro Bay, ah, and, and it needed to be coastal, too. I wanted yeah. to be close to the water. In Peru, I used to surf, too, so I wanted to be close to the water. Those were my requirements, which is more expensive, being freaking close to yeah, the water. Yeah, especially in California. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's 2012. I was like, all right, we're moving. Just packed everything I own in a U-Haul car and drove over. Um, couldn't find a steady job, but I had some leftover money from the GI Bill. Since I, was, since I got scholarships when I got my bachelor's degree, I was trying to transfer that to my then wife. And 
here I met an NPC with a console, and they were like, well, um, you can't transfer that to your spouse, but you have, oh, no, whatever, 20K still. And I was like, well, I, w- I want that money for school. Mm-hmm. I don't want it yeah. to go to waste. So somehow, I don't know if she recommended or they were like, you can study another degree and then go to school full time, and that helps you with rent, and you become a student again. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so that's how I like it. I was able to start affording things because I had no one. Like I migrated to Monterey, to Marina first. From not that had no connection, not one friend. Damn. It was like a brand new place. Yeah, uh, and in small areas, sometimes yeah. it's harder to meet people. Of course, of course. And yeah. then when you're a little older, too, I was already like about thirty. I was twenty eight, so. But uh, made it work. I love Monterey now. Now, if I count my life, I'm forty. This is the place where I've lived the most. I mean, in, in Peru, I left in three different neighborhoods in Lima. Yeah. And here, like, between Monterey and Marina, I feel like this is this is home. <laughs> and did you ever get a chance to study the sea otters? I did. It kind of, like, didn't work all the way. I, like I said, I was slightly older. It was really hard to land a job. So I was, like, doing all these odd jobs so I could volunteer to work with the otters. And I always told them, hey, listen, I have my degree. I'm a hard worker. I just need the opportunity. I need to pay rent. And it was really hard. Some people, like, I have a love-hate relationship with the aquarium because I, I've done some crazy great experiences. I met great people, but I feel like they never, like, completely, like, welcomed me and say, we're going to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you can work for us for free. <laughs> well, you know, when you're 30 and you don't live with your parents, that's preposterous. You cannot yeah. do that. <laughs> and especially that organization makes a lot of money. Yeah. And you're like, hey, dude. And I did work for them in certain aspects, so I was just like, but never stuck with the the sea otters that I wanted to do. And I did on my volunteer, my internship. I learned a lot about sea otters. Um, I tried to apply for the master degree at UC Santa Cruz because I have a bachelor's in bio. Uh, I just never it never went that way because I feel like I can't just be a student for the rest of my life where I had to start making some money <laughs> to pay for things. Yeah, hell yeah. No, that's. Like that, the truth. I'm like, damn. How many? I I say that because I'm sitting here thinking of how many times I've interviewed somebody, and their story changes or something happens. They're like, because, but I need to make money. You know, like I was doing something to do this, but I needed to make money, so I had to change. But a, a lot of the times, it led them to whatever they're doing at the moment. And um, so anyway, let's. I kind of want to switch gears now because we've basically that's your whole bio you know at this point we've caught up we're we're, we're on we're in we're in Monterey. we're in the 831 yeah yeah you're here you've you know you you're working you, you've found your feet but um so then at, at one point when you were here did you start making music again or when did you start showing it off i guess yeah um like i said i i carried about three bands before i moved here in miami on and off. Then when I was in Texas, I'll lose some jams. And I was always writing either poetry or songs or whatever. But I was a, I'm was a very proficient writer. So with my first band, I wrote like 40 songs in two years. And then mm-hmm. the next band, it was like, okay, I, I can write. I can write. Like I found, I, I, I found the recipe. <laughs> like you put me a beat, give me an hour, and okay, we have lyrics. We, yeah. we, let's go. <laughs> and and it, it's fun for me. It's not... You know, I don't get writer's block or like, like I'm, I'm good that way. Yeah. So, 
So very proficient writer. So every time I had a band, I even like didn't want to recycle. Like I don't want to recycle those songs. I can make new songs. So I have a lot of a lot of songs under my belt. But when I came here, it was hard to find people to jam. Also, I'm not a pretty singer. So sometimes hard to sell it because some people are like, oh, your voice doesn't do what singers do. And I'm like, no, I'm barking. I'm telling a story about my way. It's like between Trovador and, you know, and a rapper and an angry rapper. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. But every time I partner with somebody, they were like, oh, I mostly not from that person. And that's my, 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 uh, not resentful side, but it's kind of a bummer when like, if I partner with you and you like what we're doing here, we go to a bar and someone tells you, hey, that guy's not good. <laughs> yeah. And then that changed your perspective. That happened to me a few times here in Monterey. Had a few things that were like starting to lift up, but then my partner was like, oh, no, other people, they, they don't understand. <laughs> your yeah. You know, so I, was like, I don't want to, a girl told me, I don't want to be labeled reggae. And I was like, no, you're, you're not reggae you're the other part of the i bring the reggae and the rapping and you bring whatever you are and she was like but i don't want to be labeled so better stop this collaboration (laughs) (laughs) so it was a little heartbreaking and and always um when i was first coming up i didn't have a space to to host and i feel like the most successful of being with bands is when i'm able to put them in a room in my turf I don't know. I don't know what it is. If I feel more comfortable, or if, or if people listen more, because it's my house. I don't know what it is, but it's always worked best that way. Yeah. And that's what happened in 2016. I started putting out uh, Craigslist posts. Any musician I saw on the streets or anything, I said, "I'm starting a project. I'm starting a jam. I'm starting inviting people to come to my house, just to jam." Sometimes yeah. it will be a room of. Eight to ten people just and my wife in the room be like it was a little apartment too. Oh, it was an apartment. It was an apartment. And it, but it was uh finally like before that I was living in a studio, you know, a little place. Yeah. yeah. So but that's that's where the tribe formed, like on, on Watson Street and in Monterey. So from that jam session, that group of people eventually People stuck around and Some like coalesced into recurrence, a group. Recurrence, recurrence, recurrence. I, I was trying to sh- teach him songs from my prior bands or try to find some Bob Marley style because reggae and I wanted to jam with reggae. And then it wasn't even my idea to form a band. But I told one of the guys, like, my dream is to have a band where ev- it's like a complete democracy where everybody has a voice. Everyone can tell a story. I believe that everyone can sing. I believe that everyone should be able to have a voice in the microphone. So, And I wanted to do that since I was in Miami. Just that some people don't share that passion. Yeah. Some people don't want to, I just want to play bass and be quiet, you know, and that's it. But I, I told this this guy, the bass player now, Glenn Bell, my my dream. And he was like, it's a crazy idea, man. I don't know if it's ever going to materialize. Yeah. And then uh, little by little, uh, a guitar player I used to play with us, he's no longer in the band, but he was like, let's just make a band. And I was like a little resistant because I've been through band breaks up, breakups, yeah. you know, because when I go into the band, I, I change my, my brain changes like it's work mode. Like we need to be serious. Yeah, or, hell yeah. If we're going to give us ourselves a name, I don't want to be, you know, half-assing it. If we're jamming, I'm fine. I don't have a name. We're just me. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, it's fun. But if we're going to have a name and then gigs and then, then you need to show up to practice, then you need to be on time, you need to learn your lyrics, learn your chords, learn the changes, learn the structure. 
But uh, that guy kind of pushed it to make it a band, and, and our first appearance was at the Bull and Bear. Oh, was it called Bull and Bear? I think yeah. on Alvarado. Bull and Bear, yeah. Was it now? Uh, now, or was it something else back then? Is it the? It's 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 had a couple of names. It's or, or, yeah. What was it before? I, I don't know. Yeah, that From place. Salinas. Yeah, that, that place. Uh, and it was the people that I, I started posting stuff on Facebook or on Instagram. They're like, oh, you guys should come down and jam. And then um, that was the first time we played and people liked it. And I had uh, multiple singers. I had a friend. And I pulled people from everywhere. One was a co-worker from the aquarium. Another guy I met at an open mic. Another guy from Craigslist. And, and just start mustering people. And whoever kept showing up, That's what like, that was the core of the band. And that was in August of 2016 is when Sensory Tribe kind of like started. Well, and then also you have a pretty unique perspective. And I get it. Miami is a big city. So there's obviously more opportunities available. But, but what, what's a big difference between the music scene over there and this one that you encountered here in Monterey County area? I don't know. I guess there's I don't know. I, like I was never a working musician in Miami because I was younger. I never even thought about making any money from yeah. playing. Maybe the, I was just playing ever. It was a little more punk too. Like I, I was barking from the drums in one of the bands. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I didn't like care too much about sounding too good. I just wanted to re- express and release my thing. Yeah. Know? But I don't know about the. What it so is now. I guess like is it is did you think it, it was harder to find people to jam with? Was it or just as easy in Miami as it was around here? Well probably not easy. I don't think it's it, there's it's never easy, yeah. I guess. But in Miami, again, my first band that went on for two and a half years, I just clicked with the guitar player and I was basically I wasn't in school, I was just like basically living at his house. And I started writing all of these songs, and people loved it. And you know, that's that's how that I landed on that band because I was wearing, you know, hippie-looking pants. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I I couldn't tell you to be honest. I couldn't tell you. I play I play in Miami with a couple of bands, Churchills, which is a crazy venue where like Marilyn Manson has played. So it's oh damn! This crazy venue in the middle of Little Haiti in Miami, and it has a lot of recognition. So I'm I'm really glad I've been on that stage. But it was never anything too big. We also opened for a band that is now big. It's called Locos por Juana. They travel around. It's pretty cool. It's a Miami style music. Yeah. It's like between reggaeton, salsa, a little bit of rock, a little bit of reggae. Damn. Uh, we opened for that band too. And we play I play a huge stage in one of my first concerts just because we were Peruvian. Because they were celebrating it was early two thousands, not a lot of Peruvians. So when someone heard that some some Peruvian kids had a band. They're like, oh, they could be the headliner <laughs> for this festival, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just the Bayside, which is a huge stage. But it was like attendance of maybe 100 people. So it looked like <laughs> no one was there. And we're in this huge stage. I didn't even know. Like, yeah. But in Miami, it was a little different. Now, now that I know the industry and I know that some people make money because of live music, like my, my perspective, has changed a little bit. And, and you know, when I see that other musicians are making money, I'm like, okay, I want to do that too. I think I'm able to do that as well. It's still tough, uh, especially with an A-piece band here. 
It's it's it's. Yeah, I saw. I was looking at your the description on on Instagram, and I I hit more, and then it's just all these other members showed up. I was like, oh man, okay, it's a, it's a decent sized band. Well, and honestly, that kind of makes me feel. I know it's always tough, but I I, I like that answer because. It would have been tough if you're like, dude, like I love music and I'll always find people that do music. But in Miami, you could find people, all that, you know, it's nice that you're still able to find people. And it seems like anywhere you would go, I think so. you would I find so. that. And, and now that I know a little bit more about recording myself and the BPM on a song and the key, mm -hmm. that shit, I never crossed paths with that in Miami. It was very punk rock and most of the stuff lived in my brain. <clears throat> bandmates were my brother's friends from high school my sister's <laughs> friends from middle school that was the what the bands were yeah and, and yeah I, I i think once we won a battle of the bands and we made 150 bucks and we were like <laughs> what 150 dollars crazy back then my parents too like bless their heart my living room was a practice room <laughs> like drums and and every like perpetually like the living room was not a living room it was the drums pa system microphones like that was that was the living situation in miami and your dad did he keep <clears throat> painting this whole time he's still painting yeah, yeah. He's still kicking around still he didn't catch the american dream though <laughs> it's 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 not it's not easy you need it, just like anything with 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 arts it's not only hard work then you need hard work and you know luck or the right person or yeah or something i yeah we, we talked a little bit about this again before we hit record and the same deal with podcasts you know and uh, once they became so ubiquitous people like thought that oh man if i start a podcast i'm gonna become a millionaire and i have famous. to yeah and i think yeah <laughs> tamp people's dreams uh, it's like i'm not saying i'm not discouraged i, I encourage people to start course, a podcast yeah, yeah. i think they're a really neat medium to tell stories but it's like but you're not gonna make money and yeah. I'm not saying that to discourage you because I don't make money. He don't make money. Your, your favorite podcast probably honestly doesn't make money, you know. And um, but it's the thing is like I, and I'm not doing it for that, you know. Like I've I've come to realize that the dream is still there. Like don't get me wrong, I've said that before. If someone comes at me with a million dollar contract for a podcast or something, yeah, I'm signing. I'm not yep. saying I'm a, oh I'm this. You know, like, I don't need money kind of thing. Like, nah, I understand we live in a capitalist society and that that's still the goal. But I realize it's such a, a rare, unattainable goal. But that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't valuable or isn't oh, worth no. it. And like like to our audience and then to the people in the future that might come across this this show, it's like that's worth a million dollars basically you know so i'm like i get it you know I'm, I'm i'm a realist you know and 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 the goal is still there you know we're still going to try to be as professional and start keep pushing our, our little company to make money but the reality is that there's millions of these out there mm -hmm. and only a handful make money and I, I believe it's the same with bands you know it's 100 yeah that was one of the things when i started doing this show and I'll be quite honest. When I would see bands play in front of 10 people, I would be like, I don't know if I would. If I showed up, drove two hours, and there's only 10 people out there, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to be drinking at the bar. <laughs> and I would always ask the, the artist that, you know, because I thought when, you know, when I started this show, dude, almost 10 years ago now, everybody would be like, yeah, that fucking sucks. That's embarrassing or whatever. But I started realizing, like, 
they most people in bands know the deal you know there's very few people that are like dude in three years we're gonna be metallica yeah like, no. most people are like I, if you start with that mentality you're only gonna suffer yeah exactly yeah it's gonna be tough but yeah exactly a grand grand majority of the people that i've met that are in bands or in music are just like dude even if i had no money one of the things i would have was a guitar like the, the the music is just in me, you know. Like I I don't care if one person shows up or ten thousand people show. I mean, I'm sure they want ten thousand, but they're like that's not what matters. Yeah, for know? me, it's telling the story. Express more. It's just a kind of a selfish thing for me. It's expressing myself. I right. want to tell what I have here, what I have here, and 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 I have an urge to do it. It doesn't matter how. It could be a Facebook post. It could be a poem. It could be a book. It could be whatever. And and social media is that's that's what social media is for me. So I put my art there. I made this movie. I took this picture. I said, check it out. Say thumbs up, thumbs up. It doesn't matter. It made you feel something. Yeah. So that's the part that for the hardest time I was having a hard time like explaining. Now I know it's like I just want you to feel something. Whatever it is you feel is up to you. But I want to like, you know, put a little bit of fire there. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a million dollars, I'll also take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if people are listening and they want to hear Century Tribe can't, is there are you on online anywhere or yeah, yeah. just find we, we your have life? A, we have a, a cd or ep is a little outdated it's 2018 and we're looking to get more material um but we're on spotify we're on all streaming platforms you can check out sensory tribe i'm on all streaming platforms as, as el calpa as a solo with collaborations i have more almost 100 songs out oh shit yeah with the band we have seven or not ten yeah yeah, and now with with Parkins, we're starting to to put songs out. But I did a twenty um twenty song album in twenty twenty as a solo because of the lockdown. I was like, I need to do this now, and I had learned a little bit how to operate the computer by myself. Really good friend from from the band to Glenn Bell. He helped me a lot. He's like the guitar and bass player for the whole album. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, in twenty one, I did two songs a month i was pushing myself i'm gonna release two songs every month and it all comes from <laughs> you're like buckethead bro <laughs> just from being poor i was like i'm paying 20 dollars for distro kit which is this thing that distributes your song and i was like i'm on to milk as much as i can yeah. i want to release one song you know a year i was like i'm paying 20 bucks i want to pay them a dollar per song that's where my brain <laughs> my cheap Fuck brain yeah <laughs> so i released 20 songs in 21 and you know, plus the band songs and some collabs that I have, and those are the songs that are out. You know, I have another three hundred songs unfinished. Damn, dude, you're like books. Prince. <laughs> you're like the Prince of Marina. Yeah, now, now with Barkins, we're almost at the twenty songs line. We we have released two songs with two official videos. Already have the third song working on an official video too. So I'm pushing that to make the song with the video thanks to my partner swissly um he was like if we're gonna do a duo project i want that every time we release a song we put it together with a video and he he knows a lot of the technical aspects of recording a lot better than me and i know a lot about video and editing so i'm like okay let's partner up and and we're both like we like telling stories we're we're proficient writers too so it's a good partnership we push each other to because he had his solo thing that was like and i have my solo thing that i was Pretty tired after 21. <laughs> oh, yeah. After like 40-something songs out on my own. And and uh, in 22, I guess it was the end of 21. Maybe the end of 22. I don't know anymore. 
Um, but the sensory tribe got hired for the the end of year Alvarado Street, the first night Monterey. Oh, okay. And I wasn't in town, so that kind of like revived the the project a little bit without me. So we got a, a drummer to to supplement me because I used to drum and then sing and also write songs, all of that. But we got a, a singer and a, and a drummer out of that gig. And then they kind of like stayed, so it was kind of a little spark to ignite the try back. Because after the right before the pandemic, we had a few members quitting again. She's not giving us money. It's hard for a big band. I have other bands. I have yeah. other commitments. So it was a little hard on that. But yeah, we we're. You asked me if I, we're streaming and look at all the shit I tell you. Not hell, good yes, stories. We're in Spotify. <laughs> Well, and style-wise, I'm curious, you know, like, if what's, what's the difference, or how can you describe the difference between listening to your solo stuff versus Barkings or versus Sensory Tribe? Are they all similar type? Mm, I guess the my my style is, is there, but I, I don't see any limits. Like, for a while, I wanted to be like, I want to do a reggae album. But then one, one, one day I found this, like, rap, trap beat and in inspirement i wrote a whole song so then i just released that and then that had a lot of likes and a lot of people talking about it and then i was like why should i live it myself so as el calpa i touch all all genres english and spanish spanglish made up shit like all of it it goes in i love collaborating and that's what pushes el calpa it's like if i have if i'm telling you to collaborate i don't want to be the the slacker in that relationship. <laughs> if it's all on me and I have 20 songs to release, I'll be like, I'll do it later. But if you send me your part, I'll be like, I can't. You know, I, I need to do it because this guy did his part. So that pushes El Calpa to release music as a solo, as a collaborator. Um, but now that I've invested more like Sensory Tribe on Barkings right now, so El Calpa is taking a little, a little something, something of his own. Um, El, El, El Calpa, No Limits, um, Sensory Tribe definitely has the melodic part of the other singers. I try to incorporate melodic singers on my solos as well, but Sensory Tribe has that permanently. Really, yeah. really nice vocalists, which are Megan, Sean, and Swissly again. So Barkings, also parts from Sensory Tribe. It's two guys from Sensory Tribe. We're doing Barkings. It's me and the guy from Morocco. So Barkings is a trio? <laughs> so It's a duo. Oh, okay. El Calpa and Swissly Sparkings. Oh, that's so freaking cool, yeah. man. And and that is mostly we're rapping. And also we're trying to, because we're so, it's hard to teach a song to eight people. It gets, you only get to produce a song mm -hmm. every so often. Me and him work really fast. He's really good at the studio. And also we're trying to sell the duo as a cheaper option when people are like, how much is your band? Yeah. A thousand bucks. Oh, that's way out of my budget. Okay, we have two guys for three. You have 300 bucks, you get two guys, yeah. you know, it's, and, and that way we can still make some money and work with people's budgets and we get to express ourselves as a, as a whole, you know, it's, it's the option A or option B for, for your budget kind of. And I tried to do this also with another bandmate a couple of years ago, we did sensory sound system and we performed a few things as sensory sound system, but Glenn, uh, the guitar bass player, he has so many bands and so many projects that you know, sensory sound system was one more thing to, to stress him. <laughs> so we, we, we have a CD, actually. I brought you a CD. But I published a CD with sensory sound system too in 20, 2021. 
Yeah, so from from north of 2020, I've released a lot of music. <laughs> and it's cool, yeah, because if someone's like, well, 300 still a little too much. And like, all right, well, El Calpa, bro, you El got Calpa, 150. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, was, I got it. I got I it. with my acoustic guitar. That's what you get. <laughs> if not here, here's a CD, 15 bucks. <laughs> I yeah, got we cater for the people, you know? <laughs> and like you said, the people can go on if they're on their Spotify or whatever and just look up Sensory Tribe or Sensory El Tribe Calpa. El Calpa or, or Barkins. Barkins already has two songs out as well. Yeah. Hell yeah. So go check that out. I'm. This was exciting. This was cool. I, I love these because I get to learn about people, man. And, and like I said, it, it, this is so much fun because when we started this almost a decade ago, you know, it was. I honestly was like, dude, we want to do this every week. Like, can I interview? Is there enough people? To, you know, because my whole thing was like, oh, Selena's is cool. You know, full of cool people that are working hard. And, and that's it's. It was that was the truest thing that I could have thought of back then. Like it, it's not difficult to find people doing cool, interesting stuff in this area. It's so neat, and it's so neat that, like, not only would I run into you at a bar and hear your story, like I get yeah, to yeah. actually, you know, put we, it put we it on, record it, yeah, yeah. We put it on wax, yeah. baby, put it on wax, and That's again, right. and it's there, you know, and and these cool conversations where I could be, oh, I met this really cool guy, you know, he from Peru and then Miami. And then he, he turned into Tony Montana. It's like <laughs> he had to leave and he, he was getting chased and he came to California. <laughs> <laughs> he had to change his name. He goes by several names. Yeah. He, I don't even know why he did it, to be honest. I think it put him in danger now. <laughs> but yeah, it's instead of doing that, you know, and saying, I met this cool person, I, I could publish it out there. And, and <laughs> whoever has access to the internet can also find that yeah. and, and can find that story and be like, dude, you know what? Like, this is a neat area with all these different different stories and all these all these cool people doing st cool stuff but anyway thank you again for coming on is there anything before i kick you out of my studio that you want to say mention any i any just drops? released a crazy video with barkings it's called original and it touches on how it's impossible to make something original because everybody has done something before and how art is subjective so it's a crazy video it took us a long time to film it is has a story it's a well put together video we're getting a lot of comments so check out barkings original is on youtube um but yeah check it out check out barkings check out sensory tribe check out el calpa yeah we'll definitely put it on our social medias <laughs> and tag everything but anyway yeah g thanks for coming on yeah. el calpa whatever your real name is <laughs> if that is your real name <laughs> escaping peruvian dictators become because you're an artist <laughs> That's the story I'm telling. Hey, hey, whatever's yeah. clever. Man. That's what's cool is that you get to tell your own story. And like you were saying, you know, I love the the long story format. You know, because it's yeah. not, it, it's all there. You if know? not, you yeah. need to focus on one little thing, and it's a little difficult. Yeah. Exactly. This, this is cool. And uh, but again, I thank you for coming on. I know is that sometimes schedules and stuff is tricky to to match up. But I'm glad we we were able to figure it out. It. And this was a yes was a, another great one. And yeah, we'll catch y'all next time, yo. All right. Peace. Bye bye. <laughs>